Ian Woody Woodhouse and Louis Woodhouse are a father and son team that help people to improve in engagement, agility, collaboration, and optimism, and quite frankly, become incredible human beings. They're known for the power and originality of their messaging, messages that deeply move people. They speak around the world, taking thousands of people in their audiences to new heights, questioning their existence, questioning their morals, and resulting in stand innovations and moving people in better, faster, and purer directions. Without love and compassion, it'll feel empty at the end. Comment your favorite moments, hit subscribe now, and set that notification bell. Let's do this. How does someone manage to stay so pure when they attract more money? I, th I think one of the reasons is it doesn't matter how much money I attract, I, I probably won't end up with, with very much because Nina will have projects of people who need it and it will go. So I, I think you need enough beyond that. There's other things you need, community, love, health. That, that stuff matters more. But you do need enough. You, you need enough. And if you don't have enough, it's it's an issue. Uh, and different people have different enoughs. My enough is more, I now have more than I ever thought I would and I'm not wealthy. But if you look back at my ancestry, my granddad, my granddad, not great, great, great or anything like that, just dad's dad, died in his 50s and he never flicked a light switch or turned a tap or spoke on the phone. So, and so, I think I have so much, and I, and I think we have so much. I just can't quite get my head around why we're not happier. I, I just don't quite understand it. Is that gratitude? Is it being grateful for what you've got? I think it's, 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 it's the narrative. We're living the narrative that we're creating more than anything else. And what so, do you mean? We're living a narrative? I, I, I think the, the, our story of what's happening around us and happening to us is what we're experiencing, not what's happening to us. And when, I think when, when, when one really gets their head around that, uh, you can then start to intentionally tweak that story for the, for you, to be better for you. So I think there's a crisis of, uh, you asked earlier, do I think that being hard on yourself is, 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 is one of the biggest issues people face? I think it's a symptom of something. It's not the cause. Uh, it's a bit like a high finish in a golf swing. The idea isn't to have a high finish. The idea is to have a golf swing that ends in a high finish. Um, so I think, um, I think what's happening with, with folk is we have a crisis of purpose. And, uh, and we don't talk about it that much. We don't explore it that much. We don't. So our ego is great conditions for ego to just slowly grow. So, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, uh, the golf swing analogy is like, no one intends to have a bad golf swing. So the intention is clearly to have a good golf swing, yeah? Is that the intention for us all then? So no one intends to beat themselves up. It's just a symptom of something else. And what you're saying is it's purpose. I'm saying if you have a clear purpose... I, I see people, Louis, for example, um, uh, can, <coughs> quite, can be, when he was younger, now is, uh, still can be quite nervous about going on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, but when once I remind him of what the purpose is, not us being on, but the the what we're serving, uh, 
it seems to go. And the same thing for me, if I get nervous, he reminds me of, do you remember the, what the message is? We're in service to those messages. It's not about us. And suddenly it just goes. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, just having a vision, having a purpose, understanding the reason why, how it can just get you through life, it can get you through challenges. 100%. And I think, you know, it's, it's an overused analogy, but if you, but it gets the point across well, you know, if you look at what people do during times of war and what the risks they're willing to take, it's because the purpose they're completely connected to, it's not just a survival thing. It's it's beyond that. It's it's because they really, really believe in what they're doing. Um, and I think that Woody's absolutely spot on. I think people have a, a crisis of purpose. I think as we've moved to a more secular society and people are less religious, um, I think that there's, there's things missing from that. Um, there's things around gratitude. There's things around prayer. There's things around purpose that that get lost you don't have to have religion to have those things to be very clear mm. it's just that religion helps people to find that and then a lot of people haven't replaced it with with something else this is a question to you both don't know who go, wants to go with it first what have been your biggest challenges in life and how has purpose helped you get through it that's a big question do you want to go first or I think my biggest challenge um, has been how to continue to be open and loving to friends when things haven't worked out well. And I could, I could easily form a narrative that there were moments of selfish intent on their part. Um, and uh, if it's just an acquaintance, someone I've just met in business, it's no big deal. It gets harder when it's someone that you that I love and that has loved me for a long time and, and, the, and, and the friendship's close. And I can feel myself almost stepping off my own path uh, and wanting to blame them for the situation. And it takes me too long to get back to who I am and to continue with the friendship. I'd like that to be faster. Is that the thing that's springing out to me is forgiveness. Absolutely. But, but real forgiveness is where it, you're back to where you were before the thing happened. Real forgiveness. Forg if you say I forgive you, yeah. it means I must judge you. To forgive you, I have to judge you. To really forgive you, I, I no, have to get no to the point where there's no judgment at all. Which is spiritual. Which is, which is tricky to do. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, have you achieved it? Are you able to do it? I have moments when I've done that. Uh, what yeah. happened in those moments? It's usually through conversation with with Nina, um, conversation with someone who isn't willing to step off the path that says this other person is pure and good and we, 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 we must keep looking until we're back there. So uh, being with someone who doesn't say cynical things, being with someone who just loves, being with someone who, if if you watched... The Olympics and, and they're celebrating, I can handle the tissues. If I watch the Olympics and someone's crying because they lost, I handle the tissues. People think sometimes when I talk about her that she's happy all the time. She's not happy all the time, but she's feeling all the time. And she feels your, she feels what she experiences is your experience as it's live, as it's happening. And you could be a stranger on the train or you could be an old friend. So if you're with someone like that, 
after a while you, you just I realized my my moments of resentful thinking and that sort of stuff is just it's t- it's just a, a sign of my immaturity more than anything else. This is when my ego gets in the way. What age did you learn to let go of that? I, I resentful you, feelings. Well, you're speaking in the past tense, like it's something that's happened, <laughs> okay. and, it's, and I'm now on the other side of the fence. Uh, that's not how I experience it at all. Um, it's more, it, I, it's live. It's I'm experiencing it all the time, uh, and sometimes I'm not so great at it. But, but the good thing is, I seem to be getting better at it, and that, at, and that's for me the most important thing, is that I'm becoming more open. My skin's coming thinner, um, and uh, and what so. Do, what does that mean? My skin's. I'm becoming thinner. more porous, so that things can get to me, people can get to me, because um, uh, it's very easy to create an act and then just get stuck in that act. Right. And uh, instead of uh, instead of being a counter puncher in life, uh, instead of being in response, you mm. you you export, and then other people have to adjust to you. I'm more of a I walk in the room and and listen i walk in and feel to see how, how what's the best way to be here um and uh i don't know when that started but yeah i, w- I would say that we're, both nina and i we're listeners aren't we if, mm-hmm. if we if we meet people on holiday they tell us all their stories and uh we walk away thinking but we didn't say very much about ourselves <laughs> i think people just not used to telling you something about themselves and then you ask a question to peel off another layer behind that story they're not used to that and, and it, oh and now that you told me this so we go further into their story um and listening is amazing it's, it's i amazing. learned from um dr martin newman phd in emotional intelligence wow and he said listening is the biggest and best skill in the world to reduce resistance in any walk of life. Listen is, is the, the number one skill. Better get good at that one. Indispensable life skill. Let's go over to you, Louis. Um, That's cool, that. Yeah, Dr. Martin Newman. So what have been your biggest challenges and how did purpose help you get over it? Yeah, I had a while to think about that and I still struggled. I, I, I think I, I have a firm belief for whatever reason that my biggest challenges are ahead of me. Um, because I think, um, I'm going to use the R word, retire, when when dad eventually wants to retire or When are you going to retire, Woody? <laughs> when, when he lets me. Oh, it's <laughs> your not, fault. No, I'm it's not holding him off. I think you, people retire when, they, when they're tired. Who was he, by the way? Because I assumed it was Louis, but it could be, <laughs> <laughs> it could be someone up there. Uh, I, 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 oops, sorry. Uh, I was, um, uh, it was Louis I was um, thinking of. Uh, I, I have no plans of retiring because I quite enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so, actually. Uh, yeah, for me, I think that, that will be one of the biggest challenges, will be transitioning from sort of as working as a duo to when it becomes more of a, a solo act. So it, it, it means anything else I've done feels smaller than that. Um, in comparison um, to be honest I think one of the biggest challenges and I'd say I'm part way through it um, has been an internal one and that's been that thing we spoke about earlier in terms of being tough on yourself and hard on yourself I think from a young age I was very critical of of myself and I would be much more critical of myself than I would of other people I give other people the benefit of the doubt in a situation where where I wouldn't give it to myself um, and I think that's been that's that's been an ongoing journey and something I'm still working on. But I've made a lot of progress on that, which allows me to to do things like this and to 
to work with dad in the way I do. I don't think mm. you could do it if you um, weren't able to uh, give yourself a pat on the back every now and again. Um, yeah. Any any comment, dad? I think he's spot on. Uh, and, and and you're getting better at patting yourself on the back. Mm. And I know it's, it's not so easy working with him because I like being live. I like, I, 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 it's nice to have a little script, but okay, forget that now, be live. Yeah. Uh, people that's what's rare it's, be alive <laughs> yeah yeah just be be in the moment uh, which and if we do something and it works really well it'd be easy to just package that and then repeat rinse and repeat but people can tell when it's being rinsed and repeated i think they can hmm. so you two are speakers all right so you speak on stage you've what you've been to one of our conferences previously and spoken on stage and do you remember the little thing that you, you taught the whole audience and you, everybody was just listening, with fully open and in, intentionally listening to you? You made a recommendation for when they go home <laughs> to put their hand in the pocket and and turn it on. What do I mean? Do you remember? Mm. It's uh, We go to, lot, I say we, all of us, go to a lot of conferences. We see a lot of TED Talks and that sort of stuff. And, and we get, we all get excited about doing things, but we need triggers to, to anchor things. And it dawned on me about um, maybe 10 years ago. Um, they actually dawned. A, a conversation happened with someone who was struggling. And we both agreed we would try this thing, which is when we get home, when you get your key out, don't just put it in the door. Use it as a trigger. Um, as an experiment, because I also think uh, we learn from experiments more than from intention. So you just experiment with something and see what happens. And the experiment was to see if you were to intentionally switch on, say, seven minutes of joy from the moment you see your front door, just seven minutes, that that would start to reprogram your brain, our brains, and also in a reprogram our brains in terms of the amount of agency we experience over our own experience, which is being in control of your own experiences, agency. Yeah? Being aware that that I am to a large extent the author of it. Yes. Uh, so if I'm feeling down, instead of thinking, "Oh, I'm down at the moment," I think I'll think I'm doing down at the moment. Right now, I'm doing irritated. Right now, I'm doing nervous, as opposed to I am nervous. And just by reminding myself that I'm the one that's doing it, it gives me a lot more agency over it. Yeah. So I also know that it happens in homes. People get home and they feel fatigued. The journey was tough. The, but even the journey wasn't tough. You were sat in your car, all comfy. I'm doing tough right now. <laughs> exactly. You got me now. You know, it's like. Is you do have so much agency in that. Oh, I'm doing nervous now. I'm doing fatigue now. And in in saying that, I own how I want to feel as well. It's beautiful. I mean, if you turn to someone and say, oh, I'm knackered, you actually feel more tired by saying it. Your your body hears the instruction. It goes, okay, yeah, yeah, send him knackered feelings. And <laughs> the knackered feelings come through. If you say to someone, oh, right now, I can feel myself doing knackered. Your subconscious reminds is being reminded that we have some agency over this. Oh, I am knackered. <laughs> All you got to do, folks, you heard it here today. Just for one extra word in that, so we're doing. Yeah, there's something that you're doing right now. Is it doing or being? Uh, we I call it doing, right? Um, because I think it's it's more uh, changeable. Because doing is a behavior, yeah. it's easy to just change a behavior. Being is a little bit more tricky. Okay. Um, but if I right now I'm being, an, if if I said up right now I'm being irritated, 
I'm losing the agency. If I say, mm. right now, I'm doing it irritated. Yeah, yeah. I've got complete agency. I've, got it. I've, I've got never it. tried that on before, but as you just said it. We've I, got to ex yeah. experimentation. Tells you yeah. everything. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't my idea. It was I, I saw someone was uh, worked with Nina. She struggled with ME for many, many years. And, and, and one of the things she did was very powerful. And I sat as a... a remember the audience watching watching her go through uh, this facilitation and uh, and the chap running it said uh, asked people who are suffering said um, how often do you check your energy and they all would say you lose again the first thing they think is how am I how do I feel and then he asked the the, the companions who were there myself and a few others who were there with our loved ones who were suffering from Emmy how often do you guys do it and I thought I don't check my energy like even the daily I just um, and then he, he he talked about if you have ME, quite often people think I'm tired. And he was the one that made that transition of, okay, what if we changed it to instead of I'm knackered, I'm doing knackered, I'm doing fatigued. And and, and it was just such a simple little thing. I thought, wow, that's that's not a simple thing. That's a game changer. That is. So they teach you that on ME if you've got ME, yeah. Well, not they. Um, he did. Um, uh, he he. He, uh, we tried everything for many years. By the way, that was also a real. Did that gift work? To a large extent, Nina went from you know Nina was an athlete when she was younger. She was my boss's boss when I met her, a real workaholic. She got to the point where if she went for a walk, she'd be out for the count for the rest of the day. Two flights of stairs, she's done. And that and the prognosis was it's going to be like that forever. So it's not like and we'll get through this. This is get used to it because this is life. So it's also learned then there's no point me looking to her to give me energy. I'm the source of the energy in this relationship right now. And, and, uh, and I do believe you should live your life according to mantras. And one of the mantras someone gave me earlier on is the best gift a man can give his kids is to love their mother. So the best gift I could give him and Dom is to love Nina. So that became the North Star. I would say it was an absolute gift uh, that forged my character more than anything else. What's forged your character more than anything else? Then? <laughs> oh, what else? Probably this job. Probably working with 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 that. I think has been the biggest thing. Um, it wasn't what I planned to do before. I started working with that. I was in a very different place, a different position. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, that being hard on myself thing had caused other problems, and I'd dropped out of university and jumped between different jobs and all these sorts of things. And then I got an opportunity to come out with dad and watch him work and see him um, do one of his talks. Um, and at this point, I didn't even really know what he did for a living, if I'm honest, at that stage. And then I saw him do the talk and he stood up and he he talked about our family. He talked about a lot of the things that we would talk about in our family. And the bit that struck me was, oh, this mustn't be normal. In the sense that I thought everyone talked about this stuff, but I could tell from the audience's reaction that people didn't necessarily talk about it, or at least not in the same way um, that Dad articulates it. Um, and I was quite inspired from that point, um, but also quite afraid because I um, it, it's a daunting thing to do. Um, but it's funny how you can have all these emotions sort of mixed at once, because on the one hand, I had the sort of self-doubt but on the other hand, I had the arrogance that if my dad can do it, I must be able to do it. It's interesting how we can have arrogance and self-doubt at the same time. Um, and I kind of had that, and then I started working with him. And, and the experience of 
living the material because to be able to present it, I felt I had to live it and really pushing myself to do it, even though I didn't always feel like doing it and didn't always feel like doing the job. It really changed me quite significantly over time. Um, and especially once I made a transition and I, I made a decision, I really wanted to, to do this and to, and not to just have this as a phase. How did you make that decision? Um, how did I make that decision? To be honest, it was a confidence thing. It was once I got confident enough that I thought I could do it, do it as well as dad, different to dad, but I had a belief that I could do it as well as him at some point, not in the immediate term. But for a while, I thought I would only ever be, you know, uh, I, I didn't I didn't want to just be a sort of a, 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 a tribute act to what dad was doing. You know what I mean? I wanted to... A taller, more handsome version. What came first, though? The belief or the decision? Which came first? I think the belief, because I think it was a few specific... It's a bit fuzzy because it's quite a few years ago that the transition happened. But there was a few specific talks where I, I either did the bulk of them and then there's a few keynotes and stuff I did on my own as well that... And they went really well. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe <laughs> maybe I could actually swing this one. Maybe I could maybe I could do it. And also, especially in the ones I did on my own, I did some things different to how dad would do them. Um, and they worked. It wasn't better or worse, but it, it, it worked. It was a bit different, a slightly different feel. But it still really landed and the feedback was good and I got booked again and all that sort of stuff. Um, and... And it was it was just it was just that happening because I think I think I was kind of how, waiting for the proof that I could do it. How did you get the belief though? If the decision came second, what was it about yourself that you believed in? I think applause does that in the sense that right. I've got. I, but but, but it's, it's the audience. You know I mean? You've got to go and do it. Oh yeah, I didn't have a choice whether to do it. So I, in I, order yeah. to do it, you got to decide to do it. I I never I never felt like I had a choice. Not in like a bad way, but just in a... Is that a good thing, by the way, in success? Sometimes, yeah. you know, I like this adage that options can give you confidence. <laughs> Sometimes also not having an option and having to do it can give you confidence. No, I think any anything, all the major talks I've done, if I'd been given the option, <laughs> I'd have probably backed out. I think it's because I felt that I had to do it. Right. Um, for what whatever reason sometimes that reason i mean it goes back to purpose a lot of it was because i i feel passionately about the messaging we're putting out and there certainly came a point where i realized that actually i'm pretty good at putting it across and if i don't do it it's either not going to get done or someone's going to do it worse um so i yeah i really felt like i yeah i kind of wanted to do it and then and then some of it was just the um, just the the economics of it, just sort of feeling like, well, for me to justify uh, the company paying me, I've got to deliver a certain amount of work, so <laughs> I've got to I've got to get up there and do the thing. Um, mm. But it was it was actually the removal of the choice that forced me to do it, and then you you build the confidence. I think I think you can get paralysed in having too much choice and too much agency. I know that's happened for me absolutely at various stages of my life, so. Um, I think sometimes not having a choice and being forced to do it. And so many stories you meet people and, and that's exactly what they say. Oh, I, uh, someone had to do this thing and I stepped up and, and I just did it and 
I actually really enjoyed it or it went very well and then it, it, it leads into whatever else they're doing. Am I allowed to ask you how old you, how old you are? Yeah, you can ask me that. Um, I am uh, 32. 32, yeah. yeah. When did you do your first sort of s- speech on stage? You're going to have to help me with that. What age? I think it was a contract for that insurance company and you you started uh uh came out for the first six months and mm. then within two weeks you popped your hand up and uh can i say something yeah and, and then off you went yeah i remember <laughs> i remember that because it, it was awful um but that but it's, it's good that it was awful um because I'd been sat listening to the sessions happening and I'd felt moved to say what something. What was awful? Your first speech? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you say that? Well, because I was I was nervous and I wasn't clear and... and, and um, it, was a, it was awful according to how you were feeling, but it wasn't awful in terms of how it was received. That wasn't my memory of it. People remember how they feel, don't they? My memory is it went down like a lead balloon. But then again, they weren't the easiest audience. But then it went down like a lead balloon, yet you carried on doing it. Yeah, because I, because I, I, it was, it's the purpose thing. I believed in what I was saying. I just, I just, I didn't like how I communicated it. Right. So what I was wanting to talk about was around gratitude. I really wanted to, because in the way that was presenting at the time, he'd mentioned gratitude, but, but I got a sense that there was, more to be said there in terms of people really getting how important it is to what we're talking about by the way how important is gratitude it's massive Um, because but why why is it important um i learned from you know various different religions have got various mm. different things and yeah uh some of my friends uh were going through ramadan Mm -hmm. and you know what they said no, we do, we don't eat so that we then because then we, we appreciate the food when we've got it. That's why we fast, hmm. so that when we we do have it, then we appreciate it more. We're grateful for it. It's like whoa, it helped me understand it a little bit more. I, I think what brought gratitude home for us yeah. was probably well various things in our lives, but um, last not the summer gone, the summer before, um, we had two passings in our family we lost my uncle so that's my mum's sister's husband and then we lost my grandmother on dad's side so dad's mum the danish bit of our family um and they kind of happened quite close together and i think when things like that happen it really emphasizes how important gratitude is because for me gratitude one of the things it does is it allows you to make the most out of what life gives you um, because I think at various stages with both those people, I took them being alive and in my life for granted because, you know, it had always been that way. And it's only when they go, you realize, okay, mm. the, these, the, the, the people in my life I've got to be grateful for. I've got to be grateful for the time I get to, to spend with dad. I've got to be grateful for the time I spend with my mom, the time I spend with my brother, the time I spend with Rachel, all that stuff. It's, it, it sounds morbid it could end it could end suddenly i probably won't <laughs> but it could and i would it's interesting because i feel different about those two deaths because one of them say with my grandmother it was a bit slower and i kind of got to make my peace with it and i was really thankful for the time towards the end i got to spend with her whereas simon was very sudden and i'd always felt 
that I should have connected with him more, even while he was still alive. So then when he passes, and then that option of connecting with him deeply um, gets taken away, it, uh, yeah, it really, uh, really hits you. You, you. you know what you've just done? You've just, you've taken me to my deathbed, actually. Uh, just to, just <laughs> like this out-of-body experience almost thinking. And all of a sudden, you're acutely aware of the little things in life that you're grateful for right now. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously. You know, just being present here and the water and the company and the ambiance, and we get to make a podcast here. I mean, we've got to be grateful for this stuff. So really, really good point. Now, you do speak on various topics on personal growth, yeah? Mm-hmm. But it, it does border into spirituality. For the, that seven minute, we didn't give everyone the seven minute challenge. By the way, can you give everyone the seven minute challenge before I move on to that? Can you just give everybody it right now? Speak straight into that camera and give them the seven well, that minute one challenge. right there. Yeah. Okay. The seven minute challenge is 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 this: um, uh, when you hit your front door for the next two weeks, uh, every time you hit your front door, whether you're just coming back from the supermarket or just went out to get to the the put the recycling out. You blow the key for the door to a bit like in IT where they say, turn, have you tried turning it on and off again? Before you go in, just turn the system off and on again. And that blow means seven minutes of love and joy. And that's, you're going to find every mammal you can find to connect with. So if you live on your own, you know, send a message to your mom or your sibling or a mate or a little WhatsApp group, something positive from you to the, to the world. And you're only putting out positivity. If you have teenage kids, you got to go find them in their bedroom. You got to, if you got pets, you got to. You just put out seven minutes of love and joy. I, I've got a little Alexa app at home, so I'd say Alexa, time seven minutes, and she goes seven minutes, starting now. And 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 I know that I'm going to be putting out love and joy for seven minutes. When she beeps, I can be miserable if I want to. Um, I'm doing miserable. <laughs> I, if I, if I want to, I can do that. Um, and it's weird how it starts to actually change, um, and. It also stops us from doing that house audit thing when we get home and the first thing we do is we check, is everything okay? And if it isn't, that gets commented on first. It means that we connect before we look to correct or comment. So it's just a way of switching it. So it's always person first, task second. And we live that way. So it's person first, task second. That's why I would never introduce Nina as, this is Nina, my wife. I would introduce yeah, I would introduce that way. You see, you just came out naturally. Yeah. This is Nina. I wouldn't say this is my wife, Nina. She's not my wife who happens to be Nina. Nina is just one of the things that she is. One of the many things. So it's always person first, task second. And and that's the seven minute challenge. Go for it, folks. <laughs> By the way, is that, that was my interpretation from watching you, from taking the notes in the audience, from watching you speak. I think you made me become an even better person. And is that the key? Person first, task second. You said that two or three times. Is that the key to becoming a better person? Person first, task second. I think our, what we're trying to do in our work is to humanize uh, interaction more, especially in corporate life. I think we think each other a lot. We, you know, we talk about, you know, has IT come back to us on this? You know, we need to get HR involved you know, as opposed to has John got, got back to us? And is Susan from HR? You know, Silo effect, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, we actually, you know, we, we, we think people, uh, even in a restaurant, someone will come back and say, you know, who's the fish? And you go, yeah, I'm the fish. You know, she's the tart. You know, <laughs> here, here's your tart, madam. You know, 
and so what we're trying to do is to humanize uh, humanize our experience more. So on the train today, I can tell you who was sat around me. I can, I can remember who was sat around me because I was aware of them. And you don't have to strike up a conversation, but you, it's worthwhile living life. Where if the only currency is love and human interaction, you value it more. So, so you get more connected to it. And that's kind of what we're, we're playing with. But it doesn't feel like, because your questions, James, have been almost like it's something we achieved in the past and now we're living out of it. Our experience is we're in it trying to yeah. make it work all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like using a, a power washer at home to do your drive. The moment you let go of the lever, it stops working. So it only works when you hold it down and do it. Uh, and that's, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're working Look, very on. Very humble. You know, you're on the same journey. Mm. Yeah, you're just inspiring it. I, I, from from where I'm sat, Woody, you are a remarkable person. Some someone that I am to be like. So, you know, you can be humble. I, I, I get to see it because your your topics border into spirituality. True. We talk about this. You pointed out mm. to me that it's long arc thinking. What yeah. is spiritual? What is spirituality? Okay. What is it? It's believing in more than just the mundane. <laughs> Which is, everyone wants to believe in more than just the mundane, yeah? Great. Then get into spirituality. Is that what you say, Woody? Or uh, uh, spirituality. It's, it's, for me, it's about getting, getting clear about values and principles that are, transcend you and going into service to those and then see what... So what what life is like if you live out of those? Uh, it's like uh, your colleague Kevin, where we were with. You know, a lot of how Kevin operates is he puts out certain principles, and then he's going to live out of those principles and see what how life turns up. That's a very powerful way to live. You know, to be principle led that way. Can we just explore this bit? What would the world be like if everybody's only currency was love and compassion? What, what would it be like? It's very difficult to imagine because we're so sort of far from it. Um, It'd be a kindness economy. Though, it would. It? it would be. It would. It, yeah. The whole the whole structure of the thing would be completely different. The economy would be built on love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Well, you say we're, we're far from it, but I mean, I've been lucky. I've, I've worked in some countries that are considered quite poor and not so Western. Mm-hmm. They're nearer to it than we are. You get more community, you see more connection. The rest face looks more peaceful. And they'll give you half of the little bit of rice they've got. Mm. Not even knowing where more rice is coming tomorrow from. And I've noticed the more we have, if we're not careful, the more gates we buy. Mm. And I think that's tricky. I've resisted temptation in sharing this because at one point I was sharing this all of the time, but I'm going to say it right now. Mary Portis... Uh, a lady that lots of people know, she's on TV, she spoke at one of our conferences and she said, look, the first thing you better be is kind because if you're not kind, you're going to get found out in this world. You're going to get found out. And I found myself just <laughs> thinking that again as you're saying it. I mean, why? how would love, being kind, being loving, being compassionate... Let's say I'm a young person just going into business now or wanting to develop a successful career. Why would love and compassion and kindness help me accelerate, in your opinion? 
I think it would do two things. I think it would help you. So I think there's there's an angle where it would help you accelerate. There's also a bit which is arguably more important is it would have you have a much better time on that journey because <laughs> at the end of the day the journey is all there is if if you see what i mean if 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 you approach it <laughs> all if you approach all of it as a means to an end um i think you're onto a losing one there the 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 work you do the business you do that has to be an end in of itself you'd enjoy and appreciate it more along yeah. the journey yeah so there's there's that part of it um, but there's also just a part of it, um, you know. What's that phrase you say sometimes? You won't get on unless you get on. There's just the fact that you you'll just you'll just have better relationships, um, working relationships, friendships, personal relationships, and all that. The personal relationship supports your working relationships. Like this sort of strong divide between work and home. I mean, maybe it's easy for us to say that doesn't exist with us because we're a family business, but. But I think having, you know, the the for me, the two things support one another. Mm. You know, my personal life gives me energy and connection, which helps me in my work life. And actually, especially when my if, if there's challenges in my personal life at a specific point, my work life can actually help me through that because it just gives me a break and something else to focus on um, and a reset. Um, so I think that love and kindness will will help you there. But I think I think it will help you massively in the in the relationships and and the bonds you get to build because I still think and we and because because we're lucky because we get to go and work with lots of different organizations and see sort of a cross-section of lots of different businesses being able to build good relationships with people and not just at surface level but actual deep trust and connection um, and friendship um, can still really really help you um progress and and like i said before not just in terms of what you achieve on a bottom life level but how much fun you have doing it yeah um which yeah it's probably more important. i mean I, I was taught many years ago when i was about in my 20s that people have two basic drives um one's to be lovable and the other one is to be capable those are two fundamental drives that we want to experience to be lovable and capable so lovable not capable everyone likes me but i'm useless at doing anything that doesn't feel so great I'm really capable, very successful, but no one likes me at all. That doesn't feel so good either. Lovable and capable, now we're, get, now we're talking. So I think, you know, going back to your question, why, why is it, why would a young person starting off, why would, why would we want to say, you're going to do this journey, how about you do it with this quality? I would say, if you don't do it with that quality, it will feel empty at the end. And it will also go in on yourself because it's a game of mirrors. If you don't love others, you won't love yourself. If you judge others, you will tend to judge yourself. This is why I'm noticing in myself and I'm seeing in others. It's all just a game of mirrors. Uh, so that's, that's why I think it's, it's so important. Confucius had a great saying, okay? It's not one that many people knew Confucius said, but he did say it. And Confucius used to say, be like Satnav. That's what Confucius used to say. No way you're going. <laughs> Decide where you want to go. Yeah. And then what Satnav does is you put, I want to get to Liverpool, this address in Liverpool. Satnav doesn't say, oh, well, if you want to go to Liverpool, I wouldn't start in London. It just, it just, give me a second, let me work out where we are. And here's the route. But here's the also thing you can do with it. You can go, ah, but I wouldn't mind dropping in and seeing Dom on the way up. Mm -hmm. So so I can put in some little quality to, oh, I want to go the scenic route. You can tell Satnav kind of other mm. little things. And it, oh, I've got that up 
And then when you're going along, it, it'll, it'll sort of, oh, there's traffic here. Do you want to have a faster route? Do you want to? But it never whinges. It just accepts it. And so you're only ever here going forward, and the past is already gone. It's even on my map. It doesn't show me where I've been. It's just showing me where I'm going. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to be. Just be like Satnav. Satnav doesn't whinge about the traffic. Really? That, <laughs> Woody, I just need to tell you, you've done it again. Oh. You've, you're not becoming an all-round decent person. You've just done it again to me. You said, if you don't do love and connection and compassion along the way, you're going to be left feeling empty at the end. Mm. Whoa, it's amazing, isn't it? When you put that, that's a reality, which helps me move forward and and embracing love and compassion along the journey. You've done it again. I yep. mean, I mean Jane, look at the wealthiest people, the three of us, though. They're the people who are who have the the most and deepest and most vibrant relationships. They're, they're not. It's not someone with a lot of cash tucked away on. A, in a tower. Let's talk relationships. Mm. So, early 1900s, a gentleman named Dale Carnegie, oh. he wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my big takeaways from that is life's not about fame or fortune. You want happiness. You know, you want happiness. I mean, if success is happiness, no, not money, not fame, not fortune, if success is happiness, yeah. here's the real ingredients build real deep meaningful lasting long relationships that's the that's the secret ingredient in happiness mr Carnegie, early 1900s what's your opinion on developing relationships I mean, I'd agree with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on it's a basic level, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's, it's yeah. I think I think we're social animals. I think. Um, and 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 what's that phrase? No man is an island. I guess that's a bit dated. No person is an island. And and I think that, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely essential. And it just goes back to the question you said before. I just think it it's it's the way of of having the journey be a means in um, an ends in of itself. It's mm. it's it's the thing that makes you enjoy the process. If it's just achieving certain goals hitting certain targets things like that if it's very cold and calculated it'll as woody said it'll just be empty it's the bit that gives it the the joy in the life i remember i remember um because i mentioned it before my grandmother i remember when she was on a deathbed and she was talking to me that, that she didn't always make sense because she was starting to um uh kind of lose it for lack of a better phrase due to the illness and, and her being in the process of dying but but the, the the crux of it was always the same it was always about love it was always about the people you love are the most important things. Make sure you tell people that you love them. Prioritize that. And I don't know, it might be just because she said it on a deathbed, right? When someone says something on a deathbed, it makes it especially poignant. But um, but it really stuck with me in terms of remembering that the rest of it's kind of noise. Love is kind of all there really is, in my opinion. Like that's the, it, it it's it's the bit that feels most real. The rest of it can feel hollow. The rest of it sometimes can feel fake or I can get um, existential on what's the meaning of this. But when it comes to the people I love and if that matters to me, there's no question about it. I don't get existential with that. It just, it just feels very real. Um, so I think that's, yeah, I think for your own experience, you have to have relationships at the core of it. It's not all there is, though, is there? It's, it's, um, 
was that some last week I heard the sound bite? Uh, it's uh, something about uh, it's crying's terrible, but it's not so bad when you're doing it in a Range Rover or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or a Porsche. Or, or, a, or a Porsche Taycan. It's, yeah. If you're going to cry, cry in a, cry in a new Taycan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, I think pursuing wealth and achieving things um, also makes a difference, especially if you're clear what you're going to use the wealth to do. I think sometimes people don't actually ratchet it through to that level. What, what are you going to make happen? What are you going to cause with all this wealth? Or is it just to have as a trophy to show like an ego thing? And, it, and, and one of my mantras in life that I try and live by, and I don't always do it, sometimes I manage it, and sometimes I don't, um, is to have a small ego and a big desire. That's really what you want to have. I think women find that more attractive in a guy. A tiny ego and massive desire is actually a better look than you got this you got massive ego and yeah. not much drive and uh and and to do that it then means that you are setting objectives for things around you so then you can go into service to things around you and the, the people i admire the most are the ones who seem to be in ser in service to something that's not about them and the leaders i i, I i've had a really lucky what, I've, I've been led why, by some people why do you admire them I don't know. I think it's because deep down inside me, it feels congruent. Um, there's a congruency. There's a, there's a selflessness that means that it feels cleaner. But yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? Because you just nailed something there. Like one of, the, one of the ways that you can develop, massively develop relationships with people is small ego, massive desire. Small ego... It's not about you. It's more probably more about them and empathic understanding. Massive desire. That's. It, is it relatable? People admire people, don't they? You know, it's mm. like respect. Is it respect that you get when you've got massive desire? When people know where they're going, that north star. I think it can be. I think. I think also stuff. Stuff feels different when you have that, in the sense that, if. You know, if you if you think of like football players on a football pitch, and 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 we're talking like at the elite level, so Premier League players, so Arsenal, yeah, so Arsenal, really talking, elite, yeah, yeah, the highest elite level. So if you, if you talk about Arsenal, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, one of the players partway through the game shouts at one of the other players to track back or to cover a winger or something like this, Be because they're a team, because there's an understanding that everything they're doing is for the end goal of winning yeah. the game afterwards there's no issue there's no cryptic little facebook post about you just can't trust some people or like all that weird noise that happens with people when they fall out you know what i mean Be because so in that moment they're shouting at each other's okay because there's an understanding that the only reason i'm doing this is because i'm trying to communicate to you the best way i think of us achieving our shared goal like there's so so, so it's not about you it's got nothing to do with you it's to do with how do we get over there and i think that's the congruency thing as well is it me when the desires there when the purpose is there when you're connected to that it actually means that the communication can be technically speaking a bit messy can mm. be a bit blunt all that stuff mm. because we understand it's coming from a good place and we're connected to it when when you don't have that desire then the way you spoke to me becomes an issue and now it's politics because we're not connected to what it is we're, we're trying to achieve be, that's another amazing point on building relationships, though, isn't it? 
alignment, mm. moving in the same direction. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You're moving in different directions. Guess mm. what? It'll put tension on the relationship. What deepen it? Yeah, it's really powerful. Mm. Genius. And, and with alignment, also having those conversations where you keep keep asking why? Why do we want this? So as it's some so many times people say this is the goal and we want to hit this much, mm. this target. And there's no why around it. It's just that was the target that set, and we just go for it to hit that number, hit the number, and then set another one next time around with a little bit more fatigue because you know also the effort it took to get there, that punch that you had in the air when you got it was wasn't quite as joyful as the pain was all the way getting there. So I think a bit more conversation about okay, so what what does it represent? Because um, I think intention's a muscle. And it's really important to get, have strong intention and be around people who have strong intention. Uh, I personally think it's, find it much easier to exercise with a crowd of folk who are doing the same thing than me on my own in the gym. I, I, I don't want to be the only person on the dance floor. We think when the dance floor is actually packed with people dancing, it's a lot easier to dance well. Um, and you dance for longer. So one of my mantras in life is don't go solo. It's, it's a lot more difficult. It's, uh, you, you, you might get more praise at the end because you did it all on your own, but even then it's like, yeah, that's because you couldn't get any mates. It, 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 it's much Ego. more fun. Yeah, it's much more fun to do with others. It's just a lot more fun. I like that point, though. Intention is a muscle. You imagine going in the gym, don't you? And, you know, you work your muscles out to get bigger muscles. The more you get used to setting clear intentions, the bigger that muscle gets. And the bigger that muscle gets, the stronger you become. And the stronger you become, the more capable you become, yeah? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think so. And, and if also, if you have a goal that's not to do with you, it seems to quantum leap that intention. Yeah. I don't think Nelson Mandela did his stuff because he wanted a Mercedes and a house by the sea. That's why he took that path. He took that path because there's things outside of him he wanted to actually see happen in his lifetime. You don't get the courage he got with a selfish goal. It just doesn't turn up. Has, has he been a role model to you in any way? It's just been one of those people that represents to me making uh, making something outside of you matter to you. Because I think there's two levels, there's three levels of goals. There's what's in it for me, then there's what's in it for us, and there's what's, what's in it for them. <laughs> and, and there are different levels of courage that goes with those. Um, and the what's in it for them is the most powerful one. And if you continue maturing in your life from when you're a tiny kid and you grow up, you should get to what's in it for them objectives. Problem is most of us, and I include myself in this, don't always mature all the way through our lives. We get stuck at certain points because um, our ego takes over and I want to have this new shiny gadget and I want to achieve this and I want to I want to have these trophies I can show my mates to prove to them that I am successful as opposed to there's something outside of me that matters more than me. That's, that's, why, that's, that's kind of what I think when I stop and actually think. I've got some quick questions for you both. Okay. I'm going to start with you, Louis. Who are you most grateful for in your life? I'd say my parents can I have them as I know that's not one person but but it's it's definitely the team. Okay, so let's start with Nina. Mum. Mm -hmm. What 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 are you most grateful for your female? Um she she demonstrates what it's like to live a life where you don't judge people and you look for the best in people. Wow. Um and now, you operate from a position of love. Can we throw that into the mix of how to develop relationships, please? Because that's that's genius as well. No judgment, 
mm-hmm. see the best in people. Oh, yeah, that's why that's why mum has more friends than the two of us combined is because she's <laughs> we're not bad at it, but she's she's on another level on that. Um, and it's it's because thing is, if you if you if you were to sit and have a coffee with mum, right, if you're lucky enough to get half an hour to sit and have a coffee with my mum, you would come away. You would think she's she's a nice person, interesting to talk to. You think all that stuff, but you'd also come away feeling better about yourself. That's the thing. That's the impact mum has by operating the way she does. Not only do you think she's nice and all that normal stuff, but but you're not just impressed by her. It's you. You feel better. You genuinely feel lifted. Is she, is she an angel? If they exist, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What about dad? What are you grateful for of, to dad? He what? married mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, that's one of them. Um, <laughs> what are grateful for dad? Um, I think, and this would go for both of them, I think forgiveness, um, I think in my life, especially if I look at when I was younger, I think I was given, well, I was given more than a second chance in certain areas. I was given third, fourth, fifth chances, which um, for a while I didn't think I deserved, but now I think that doesn't come into it one way or the other. Um, So I'm very grateful for that. I think Dad showed me... Um, what it means to it's that thing he talked about sort of having intention and trying to drive things forward um i think he also i'm I'm also just very grateful for him letting me get involved and work with him and learn to operate in this way and to make a living doing this sort of thing Um, because you two are a duet yeah yeah, yeah, we work as a, a, a duo as much as we can. Sometimes the schedule means we separate for a bit and then come back together. He used to be Woody and his son has now become Louis and his dad. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. Although I did see a LinkedIn post where they referred to us as, as Louis and his dad. And I was like, yes. <laughs> the little competitive bit of me. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for, for my dad. Woody, who are you, who are you most grateful for? Well, there's no surprise coming coming here. Uh, I've known Nina for 38 years, and I'm yet to hear her say something cynical. Does not even occur to her. Pure. Yeah. And I remember once we had a a, a falling out with with some close friends. I mentioned it earlier on. I mentioned it because it had such a big impact on me. It was in, in 2017 it happened. And it was as a result of that I did a winch free year just to sort myself out and get back to equilibrium. So and did that literally mean there was no expressive whinging for a year? Yes, Zero? Zero. Did you achieve it? Uh, the odd whinge came out, but but never a rant. I'd, not one whinge binge. <laughs> um, but the odd whinge came out, and then I like, oh, I think I just whinged. Okay, let's knock it on but the head. You're not labelling it the whinge-free year. Yeah. Helps you embrace it a little bit more, well, doesn't it? And, and you tell people you, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah you yeah. tell people you're doing it and stuff like that. And uh, the the one of the there's a couple. One of the the lady in the couple said, when we'd said that we weren't happy, she asked, "What does Nina think?" And uh, and I said, "Nina's not happy about how this has turned out." And that's when the person just completely said. But Nina, her words were, "But Nina is just pure. If Nina is not happy, then I, I really have to take a look at how we operated. Because obviously, it wasn't 
wasn't right. And I, I just confirm for me that I'm I'm with someone who only has one way, the the right way, and Plan B doesn't exist. It's just one way. We're going to do this with integrity, and or we're not going to do it at all. There we go. Anyone else besides Anina? Uh, mom? What do you get from mom? My mom um, taught me to be generous. That you, if someone's hungry and your bus fare can buy them lunch, walk home. And she taught me that by being that way. So that's that's why all my brothers mm -hmm. like that. That's why mm -hmm. I'm like this. It's, it's, it's just the way you are. You just really hit me in my heart. Seriously, did you know? Someone's hungry and your bus fare can buy them lunch, walk home. It doesn't get better than that, does it? And then you, you're not just walking home. You're walking home free and uplifted as an incredible human being. I mean, Proud of yourself. And, you know, James, there's a selfish intent as well because I also know that the universe will reward the universe will, lucky things will happen. Mm. Uh, that person you you bought lunch, maybe it comes from that person or maybe it comes from complete, completely unrelated. Um, but you'll, you'll find good, good fortune, good moments. Lucky things will happen. All right. I do, I do, I do believe in karma. Um, Likewise. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's something karmic about life. And even if the karma is just the experience you have, but then at the end of the day, that's all you have. So, <laughs> so that's what I think. And then, of course, uh, the boys as well. That we've been blessed with um, kids that are kind. And I think that's that's easy yeah. to just gloss over. I'm not surprised. You know, from where I'm sat. You know. <laughs> all right, boys. Uh, the best book that you've ever read. Spot the dog. Spot the dog. <laughs> so carefree, Woody. The Hungry Caterpillar. It was so relatable. Yeah. Um, uh, the best book I've ever read. I don't know. That's a, that's a really, you, you've, you've thrown me with that, um, with that question. I mean, as a kid, I have to say, in terms of the books that had the biggest impact on me, I know it's, it's cliche for a millennial, but I absolutely loved the Harry Potter books when I was a kid. Why? Um, because... I was a dark-haired boy with glasses that didn't quite fit in. And it was a story about that boy being very special. So I think that was very appealing <laughs> to me. You are special. As, uh, really cool. So it was appealing to me as a child. I just captured my imagination yeah. and and was... Uh, I have some happy memories actually just sat reading reading those books. Stay with that, Woody. What about you? It's easy to go recent, you know, think yeah. recent books. But if I go, look back at my whole life and think... Um, a friend bought me The Prophet... Khalil Gibran or Gibran, I'm not sure he mm. pronounced it, when I was about 19. And I think it only just, I don't know how, how old it was then, not very, I, I'd imagine. And that, it's the first time I read something without putting it down, and every page seemed to have relevance. And I quite liked it. Um, and it, it, I wouldn't say it set me on a path, but it made me more curious about the power of, of, um, 
the power that can be derived from the spoken word and from powerful sound bites. Favorite movie? You know mine, don't you? I don't know yours actually. Go on, Woody. Toy Story, man. Oh yeah. Oh, Toy Story. Yeah. Toy Story. You, you got a friend in me. Toy Come Story on. is the modern day Shakespeare. It's, it's, it is. It's the modern day Shakespeare, Louis. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Years from now, people yeah. be studying Toy Story. <laughs> it's just. Who are you? The... If you could be a, a character out of Toy Story, who would you be? Woody. <laughs> oh, you are Woody. What am I talking about, <laughs> Woody? You got a friend in me. Is that your ring tune then? <laughs> you got a friend in me. It should be, I it guess. Be, yeah. yeah. I don't know what my favourite movie is. Uh, interestingly, not the Harry Potter movies. Not that they're bad. It just it the, you know when you, yeah. it's that classic thing when a book's really captured you. The movie's never quite yeah, there. You allowed that? Um, There's seven in it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, to be honest, Toy Story's probably up there. Um, I loved Aladdin as a kid and yeah. the Jungle Book. One, one of these sort of Disney movies from when I was you know a kid. In Al- you know, in Aladdin when he's on the magic carpet, mm-hmm. he puts his hand out and says, "Do you trust me?" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You trust me. Then there you go. Everything else. What's your favourite book? Favourite book? Yeah. Mm. My favourite book, phew, several books. So No, you're allowed one. I, we, only, we were allowed one. I'm only allowed one, yeah. So I'm gonna go with Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich. That one has had the biggest impact on me overall. Now scattered around the edges of that are many others. You were allowed one. I know. I've gone with it. And your, fav- it. And your favourite film? Favourite movie? Shawshank Redemption. The wow. Shawshank Redemption. Wow. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Um, there you go. All right. Favourite holiday destination? Uh, Pottsburgh Beach in um, North Devon. We, we used to go a lot as a kid. And I went back a couple of years ago and I really liked it. It's still probably my favourite. Woody? Sports car. Val Gardena in the Dolomites. Italian Dolomite. Italy's mine. You know, beautiful place. Got some amazing memories there. If you could have any superpower, anything, what would you choose? Uh, Can I answer first? Yeah, go for it, yeah. um, There might be some influence that's going on here. My dad said to me, he says, James, if you could have any power, this has got to be a power. Heal people. Well, I was just about to say the power to heal. There you go. That's what that's, that's what I was. I, I, but when you first asked, that wasn't there. I had to think about it. Think about it. The power to heal. There you go. Because I could monetize that. <laughs> <laughs> Money can change you. No, Money just, can change. I am just joking. But, <laughs> but I probably want to monetize that a little bit. Go on, it, yeah, I, I ended up thinking on a similar thing because. You know, there's the classic ones like flying, super strength, illusion, invisibility. All these things are fun. But I think the ability to actually to to to, to remove anger, to Peace. to be able Calmness. to calm people, to remove the anger, to remind them of love and the things that we connect on. Because I think there's the the big sort of world peace stuff. But even just on a on a micro level, in terms of people's personal lives and stuff like that, if you could remove the the anger from from people i think you could solve the other problems there's another classic that's massive book. that is there's yeah. a classic book there um james allen mm-hmm. same i share his name mm-hmm. proudly as a man think of 1902 right thought is mastery self-control is strength 
calmness is power. Straight from 1902, the wisdom. Amazing wisdom. All right, early bird or night owl? Uh, night owl. Night owl. Like father, like son. How, how late? I think I've done my best work at about two in the morning. Right. Something like that, <laughs> one or two in the morning. Would he? It's funny, it just came up in the conversation this morning in the gym. It could, mm. uh, uh, six o'clock in and, and I said, the people I'm working out with are saying, oh, I'll go to bed at nine o'clock and nine thirty. I'm like, are you crazy? You can go to bed at nine o'clock. So I wouldn't go to bed before 11. And uh, anything after 12, I think, okay, we should have gone to bed by now. But before 11, what are you doing? <laughs> if you could have one day in someone else's life who would you choose one day in someone being someone else's in someone else's life past or present Ooh. Uh, do, do I get their ability to do stuff yeah you've got there you, you're them I think I would quite like to what it's like to be Stevie Wonder because I love his music and the way he operates, but also you then get the experience of what it's like to be blind, which I think would be quite... So you'd kind of be a double whammy because you'd yeah. also get that sort of profound experience as well at the same time and list, yeah, interpreting the world just through sound in that way. So maybe Stevie Wonder's up there for me. I don't know, but I, I like what you just said. It'd probably be a, a musician... Uh, because you get to be in that flow that they experience mm. and to be a really, really good musician. It could be one of then now tens of thousands and to be on a, on a day where there's lots of performance mm. to be done, to experience that being with playing with others and being a channel for something like that. I would probably find that the most amazing thing to do. Yeah, it's just that moment that just where something changes in that moment real deep spirituality i was thinking like you know when all of the bands got together on the original band-aid when everyone is there um or feeling that i'd like to be the guy that discovered the wheel because <laughs> that must have been quite a eureka moment yeah yeah <laughs> yeah or the lady that's discovered yeah, the wheel yeah, yeah i mean let's be honest it probably was a lady yeah probably there we go what's the first thing people should do once they've listened to this Make someone else a cup of tea. Mm. With make, love. With love. Make it with love. I don't know. Um, you know, I always say that when I make a, tea, a cup of tea for someone, I say, that, here's a cup of tea, I've made it with love. <laughs> I don't know why. I, always, I literally always say that, made with love. Uh, call your mum. That's the first thing. <laughs> She's still alive. You should yeah, call, call your mum. Call, call your nearest and dearest. Yeah, that's what you should do. And yeah. tell them you love them. Yeah. Well, well, what would I want to do with this? Um, I would like them to consider that uh, life is an experiment and so get very clear what sort of experiments you want to be running in it and that you can change anything about yourself with tiny little experiments so your likes and dislikes are a function of habit not your genes and and and, and it includes whether you like or dislike certain people that's, that's habitual as well that's not to do with your right. DNA so you can actually find little hacks to make yourself become increasingly compassionate, more loving as the years go by. I got many favorite bits of this session, but I'm going to nail this. This is my favorite bit. Without love and compassion, 
you'll feel empty at the end. And along the way, develop relationships and get aligned with people as you're going through it. That's my favourite bit. What's your favourite bit of this conversation? Um, probably, um, probably getting to talk about mum. I like talking about mum. We don't do this that, I wouldn't even say that often, we don't do this. Um, being able to, through your facilitation, get more, get more understanding of, of Louis's journey and, uh, and our influence in his life. That's not normal for us. Um, that's, that's more than made the journey here worthwhile. Uh, I'd be curious to see when this is edited or whatever, and um, and to to watch Nina listen to it. I'd be curious to see what. Happens. Send me a text. Give me a call that day. <laughs> what tell, happens? Tell me what happens. That's been yeah. That's yeah. Um, and and the the hospitality um, since we've got here and everything has been first class. So yeah, because we've got first class people out there helping us. <laughs> thank you very much, team. And on behalf of everybody here, thank you, Lou. Thank you, Woody. Rockstars. See you next time. <laughs> hey there, James here with an exciting announcement. The BizX Awards is coming to the ACC Liverpool from the 18th to the 19th of April with an incredible lineup of speakers. You're going to meet the likes of Stephen Mulhern, Donald Miller, Deborah Meaden, and many, many more. Book your spot right now at thebizx.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed listening to the Business Excellence podcast, make sure to comment your top learnings and favorite moments as well as like and subscribe. See you next time.